Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how you break free from the addiction and recovery trap. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model is a completely different approach to addiction, and we have a real solution. There are two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes. The first way is at our beautiful private St. Jude Retreat, or you can learn it at home through Freedom Model Private Instruction Program, which we do via video conference. You can also learn it now through the Freedom Model Online Program, which is a series of video lessons. And right now we're running a promotion for the holiday season where you can get that at 50% off. Um, you go to uh, you can go to our website, thefreedommodel.org, choose online program, and when you go there, use coupon code um, HOLIDAY21 to get that 50% off. So today we're going to be talking about um, devaluing drugs and alcohol is actually a pathway to being free from them. Yeah, so, so let me explain what we mean by devaluing the the drug and that includes alcohol so we'll just say we'll just say devaluing the drug um in western society american culture um we tend to have made alcohol and drugs uh, a solution for all ills um a medicine uh for mental problems and also it's a demon It's a causer of every type of human ill known to mankind, it seems, from car accidents to disease to social ills to poverty, um, that it causes all of these negative consequences, that it is a cause of all of them. And uh, so, and everything in between. It's also a social lubricant. It's it's all of these things. And in, in the 1930s, uh, a man named Bill Wilson came along and personified the drugs into living creatures by calling it powerful, by calling it cunning, baffling, and powerful. So um, this idea that the drug has this kind of uh, enriched power is not only strange, uh, when you look at it from a world perspective, most cultures don't believe alcohol and drugs have these powers, Um it's strange, but it's also incredibly, incredibly damaging to people's lives to believe this stuff. So, well, I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a cold, so I get a little. I'm a little spacey because I'm on antihistamines. Oh God, that's the worst. So, she, in other words, she's high on the powers of drugs. <laughs> Not exactly. Not exactly. Just um, sleepy. Sleepy. That's more like it. I, I think I just woke her up in the chair here. I looked over like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Like, do you want to say are, something? Are you? I'm like, un- are, are no, you, I'm just listening. Are you under the spell of a magical drug? <laughs> I'm just listening. Um, so, no, I was actually talking in class today um, with one of the guests here about, you know, when you first use alcohol, your first use drugs when you're a teenager and how uh, it, it, we grew up believing it was magical, right? Because yeah, of our yeah. culture, it's yep. everywhere. and And then not everybody has that experience like like the majority of my friends 
didn't dive deep into drugs and alcohol the way I did, um, but I did seek out those people that did. Um, so not everybody sees it for its magical properties, but I definitely did. And, um, and I think I spent, you know, six or seven years after that chasing how magical it was in the beginning. Um, and eventually you come to the terms with the, the, the fact that it's not magical and it's kind of boring. And so, but the people that, that stay deep in heavy substance use, when you talk to them and they come to the retreat, oftentimes they're also chasing the magic that they once had. And they don't even realize it. Right. They don't realize the context of what you just said. They don't realize that in what drives their their binges is this desire, this hope. Hope. Hope is a powerful emotion. Yes. This hope that it's going it to be is. the same as it was when they first started drinking, whether that was at 40, 50, 60, or whether it was at 15. So, so you have a cultural idea that's, cooked into your psyche from from uh you know your birth if you if you're born in america or, or the west um that drugs have these powers right and then and then you get drunk and if you prefer the physical sensation uh and you couple it with the idea you imbue that physical sensation with the idea that it's a powerful mystical uh, life enhancing mentally uh, enhancing experience yeah well that combination is really really detrimental because it's based on a myth that the drug is this mentally and emotionally magical experience and and what's m what's actually magical and mystical and this is important to listen to here is your own mind yes. because your mind is framing the experience that way I'm not saying that your body isn't drunk, but your mind is always sober. Here's, uh, so I, I, I repeat this to my guests all the time. Drunk body, sober mind. Drunk body, sober mind. Your mind is never drunk. And you know that that's true. And I'm going to tell you how you know that that's true. Because when you go into a binge, okay, and you get as drunk as you can, as high as you can, there's some point within that binge that you start to feel shame, regret, you start to beat yourself up because here I go again. And if your mind was actually drunk, you wouldn't do that. That's right. If your mind was powerless over the substance and led by the substance itself, by the powers of the substance, then you wouldn't think these things, would you? You, it, you would simply uh, not care. No. Right? You would escape those problems. So you go into, you go into the binge with the intention, the mental and emotional intention to escape your problems. Well, guess what? You do mm -hmm. for a little while. And then you get bored with escaping. Believe it or not, your mind starts to wander. Drunk as hell. Your body is drunk as hell, right? Or high. And then your mind simply starts seeking out what? Reality. Because it's living in reality. Your mind doesn't is not affected by drugs because drugs are a molecule. They are a physical thing. They are not a meta metaphysical thing. They are not mentally uh, uh, effective. They don't, they don't have mental attributes, right? They don't have metaphysical attributes. So drunk body, sober mind. And here's another example of what Michelle was just saying. You know that a drug uh, 
uh, doesn't affect the mind the same way it does your body. When you get really hammered, and then you're parked in a parking lot somewhere, and you, you put the keys in the car, and then all of a sudden a cop knocks on the window. Mm. I've used this example for, for years with people. All of a sudden, you become really, really super aware that... Uh, that your body's drunk. That your body <laughs> is drunk. Your mind is totally aware, sharp, and saying, okay, body, don't slur your words. Don't slur your words. Walk no, a straight line. Walk a straight line. Uh, come up with the excuse. Don't act drunk. Don't act drunk. You're really trying hard. Now you become acutely aware of the mind-body separation, don't you? Yes. You become acutely aware because your mind is now fully, fully in control of the situation. Now, yeah. you still may not be able to walk a straight line. Because the molecule is real. Yep, and you still may not be able to, to not slur your words. You may... I mean, you're, it may sound to you like you're not, but you probably are. I, I think you always know you are. <laughs> and, and you're like, fuck, I can't control my tongue because I'm just that numbed out and yes. drunk or high or whatever it might be. So, uh, But yeah. you would not be aware. That's the point. Yes. Is, is the fact that you can be aware that you're intoxicated um, means that you can be aware of your behavior. So all this idea that of the way you behave when you're intoxicated, like I need these drugs to behave in this way, is that's that's all nonsense now. Right, right. So so people ask me, then what's at play there? Well, what's at play is you're playing a mind trick on yourself. Yep. We call that mental masturbation. You're literally within the confines of your mind creating the idea that the drug is in control. It's a belief, it's a myth that you adopt yep. and then you imbue the physical sensation of the body being drunk with mental drunkenness. Yeah. And that lie we tell ourselves keeps people trapped in use for years and years and years because it builds in value in the drug. It builds the, the, the value of the drug to a higher level than is in reality happening. Right. Um, so we want to devalue that by recognizing that the drug does not have mental problem-solving capability. Right. right. Okay. And this is a, a wicked hard concept. We've gone over this in multiple ways and, and talked about it in just about every podcast because it's the linchpin of, of getting rid of your preference. If, if you love to get drunk and high because of this perceived benefit that it has this mentally solving sort of solution based properties well jesus christ you're gonna you're you're always gonna love the drug yeah yeah absolutely and and so here's the here's the rub on this and that is it's uh, you know it's a buzzkill right we're we're giving you the truth about it it doesn't have these magical qualities and sometimes you want to hang on to that so tightly even long after you've learned substances don't have these magical powers, but boy, I still keep getting drunk. You're, you're hanging on to it really tightly. You want the magic to be real. Mm. And so you keep forcing the issue. When, boy, if you that's just, a good point. You know, if you just open your mind to the possibility that I can get the magic that I'm looking for from just about anything. From my mind. Because it happens <laughs> in my mind. Right. It's not from something external to me. I mean, the first time I, and we've said this before, the first time I went to a concert sober, I was like, oh my God, the music is intoxicating. The environment is intoxicating. I, I, I felt 
more magic, I think, than I had felt ever drunk watching live music, you know? So, because it was always in my mind from the beginning. That's right. That, that's, that's the point. The, the, the magic was always you. Yep. The magic was always you. Your interpretation of that physical drunk body or high body that you inhabit, that, that was you. That was your mind imbuing that experience, that physical experience with mental attributes, with these mental uh, ideas. And so you're playing a game within your mind. Alcohol and drugs cannot leap out of your bloodstream and leap out of brain tissue, go into the mind and alter it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if this is something, now what about the people? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this out there. What about the people that are like, well, I just like being drunk. I just like it. I like the experience. And my answer to that is always, well, I like a lot of things that I don't do every day to the exclusion of all other things. That, right. What you just described, Michelle, is moderate use. Yes. Yes. If you like being drunk, get drunk once in a while. Make sure it's a safe environment and do that once in a while. Yeah. Um, the question is, why are you doing it every day? Why is it problematic for you? And in, invariably, it's because of this idea that there's magic. And that you need the that magic. you need it. Exactly. To be happy. See, uh, once we start to use words like need or uh, desire or crave... Right? Craving is just a thought. It's not a physical thing. It's, that doesn't happen to you. You actively crave. You want something. So when, you, when we start using words like that, it becomes problematic because it pushes out all the other options that once made you happy or could make you happy. And when we, we desire something to the exclusion of all things, that is actually the definition of addiction. It's the preoccupation with one option. Yes. So, so you can do all of that. Um, and of course, lots of people aren't are willing to pay that price, which is yeah. fine. But if you're not willing to pay the price and you're desirous of some change, you might want to moderate and, and you like getting drunk. Okay. Every once in a while, I like a buzz too. Yep. Um, but I'm really, really cautious about when I do it yes. and, and in what setting and what social situation. And to be honest, it's just not a big deal. Right. Um, but when I can remember, Michelle mentioned something earlier in the podcast, you know, when I was first getting drunk for the first like four years, I used to think, why do people, why would anybody want to stop this? You know? <laughs> and, and I, at every single opportunity, loved to get high and drunk because yep. it was so magical to me. And my life was so shitty at the time that it seemed like it was an answer because that's what I was taught. Yeah, it seemed like the escape that everybody says it is. Yep. Now, when you're in your teens, you can think shit like that, and there's not any deep ramifications. But by the time I was uh, 17, 18 years old, I was already drinking constantly. And here's what happens. With any activity that you do over and over and over again, for instance, even the greats at basketball, motocross, the great people in industry, when you ask them, my God, it seems like you have fun at your job, you're so good at it, they're like, well, not really. I mean, it's work. You know, talk to, um, I remember watching a uh, interview of the band Rush, which was, they toured constantly and they had, uh, they're one of the only bands that have 30 consecutive platinum albums, right? And, and there was an interview where you could see that the leader of the band, Getty, was sitting there and he was, he was exhausted. He was just exhausted. 
and he could barely keep his eyes open in the interview and they were like how long is it going to take for you guys to be great at this they already were at the time but you know and and when are you going to slow down and he goes i don't know i don't know whenever that happens i'm just going to keep pushing so even when you love something eventually it can become work when you do it too much yeah and that's what an addiction is you're just recognizing that reality strikes through the fantasy is gone the bullshit that you tell yourself is gone the truth and reality that your mind is completely with it and that you can't escape yourself it becomes real and there you are shit-faced now i can remember a time when i was drunk I ate a bunch of mushrooms, I smoked pot, I was doing coke all night, and I had been drinking for two days straight. I couldn't be more fucked up, body-wise. And I was sitting there completely sober in my mind thinking, I'm lonely, depressed, and I just yeah. want to get the fuck out of here. And, and I, I remember- I think we've all had those moments where, where it's just like- Your mind is your there. Your mind just right there, just being like, what are you doing? This is not- I can't get drunk uh, enough. Yeah, this is not working anymore. Yeah, you know, and boy, what a what a low, awful place to be. I mean, it's it's um, well, it's like anything that you do, it becomes work if you do it over and over again. It's like when you move to a new place, it's all beautiful until two months later when you go, it's the same as it was where I was before. Right, I, because it because <laughs> loving something and beauty happens in your mind. <laughs> it doesn't happen externally. You can make just, you know, just about any place beautiful. I know I've I've been to inner cities and them stuff, and I'm like, why would people live here? But to some people, that's that's what they love. That's right. You know, they that's love exactly being part right. of the bustle of a city. And and you know, I grew up a suburban girl, and so that's where I'm comfortable. And um, you know, and in the country, I'm comfortable. In the woods, I'm comfortable um, more so than in a big city. Even though it's fun to visit once in a while. That's right. So let's say you move to paradise. You have your fantasy. Within two years, it's not paradise anymore because the it's reality. That's right. With, with repetition, we become good at things. When we become good at things, we move on to a new thing. That's the nature of the positive drive principle. So that you think drugs are any different? You just keep going back to the mythology and the hope that it's going to be magical like it was when you first started. That's the bullshit you've been told and the bullshit you're telling yourself now. And that's what keeps you trapped is this hope that, it, oh, it's going to be like the first blast of crack, you know. And and maybe the first hit each night is, is, ki is pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty is kind of like that because you're going from a sober state to a drunk or high state. Um, but then within, I call it the four drink window or the two hit window reality comes through and it becomes work just yep. like any vocation that you would do or any habit that you build so that's the other part of this is when you develop a daily habit or even a weekly habit even if it's something that this is what i do every friday and saturday i get drunk through the weekend or i go on a crack run through the weekend or um you know when you develop that habit um, and then you kind of just go on autopilot because it's something you always do, right? And you don't stop to become self-aware that maybe it isn't that great anymore. Right. You know, maybe maybe it's time to t take a step back and, and think maybe I should start a new daily habit or start a new nightly habit that's something that'll be more rewarding for me. Maybe this isn't as rewarding as it used to be. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about devalue substances. Um, take it off 
the high pedestal you put it on and you know put it back down you know set it in the table in front of you it's 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 just this innocuous substance it doesn't doesn't have magical powers or properties either to enslave you or to help you escape or medicate your you know emotions it's just it's no different than having a glass of milk or a cookie except for the unless except for the fact that you get a little slight little tickle in your brain that's, that's what it. being high is that's right that's right it's it's imbuing a physical sensation which might seem powerful at first yep with magic yeah and the magic folks is your own mind and that's true when you're sober yes because your mind is always sober it's just your mind is recognizing that your brain and body are very drunk or yes. high and yeah. so that's what's actually happening so devalue that drug don't live with the mythology uh, and give it credit for what your mind is creating yeah. You know, don't use an active placebo, this drunk body or high body, as an excuse for you to go into the realm of fantasy. Just do the fantasies without all the downsides of drug use. Yeah. Yeah. Or limit, you know, you know, get to the point where you limit your substance use and maybe you have your fantasy once a week. You that's know, right. get you, that's, right. that's what moder moderation can mean a million different things. And a lot of people now are realizing that they don't need to do um, these more dangerous drugs and they're dangerous because of the black market, because of prohibition, that maybe they can they can switch to um, legal substances. And then in the case of of, uh, you know, marijuana and alcohol, alcohol specifically is pretty damn dangerous if used in excess. Um, but but maybe you limit yourself and you say I'm going to allow myself that treat once a week and it's a treat that's right you know and the, the upside of that is is when it becomes a more of a novel experience when it's something you're not doing all the time you actually will like it better that's true and it doesn't destroy your life in the process because you're not obsessing on something that uh tends to be destructive in the long run yeah but I also want to you know let you know the the benefits of abstinence are pretty damn great. Um, you know, for the most part, I live lead an abstinent lifestyle, um, and you know, substances including alcohol are not a not a part of my daily life. Um, and and I have a pretty pretty amazing mindset and outlook, and um, and I definitely don't think I would have that if I if substances were a daily part of my life. That's right. So, um, so, you know, a lot of people mistake what we talk about as being all about moderation. Um, now, there are, you know, I highly advocate for people that are daily substance users, um, I highly advocate going a period of time abstinent to show yourself you don't need it for any reason. You know, you get through all the things that, that in life that you've been using it for, you'll find that not only do I not need it, but now it, it, but it wasn't effective and I'm so much more effective without it. And that includes boredom. Let's say yes. that, that you stay abstinent long enough to finish all your projects, get, get that degree taken care of, take care of your relationship problems, and all of a sudden you're skating. And then the idea of, oh, I think I'll get high. I'm bored. You know what? Be bored. Yeah, figure gonna, out how to be bored. You're not going to crumble. No. You're not going to crumble if you're bored or depressed or struggling. Or in a transitionary period in your life, you're not going to crumble. You're not fragile. Stop thinking that way. 
So get through it sober and then realize that you can problem solve and become unbored uh, through thoughts that are sober and sharp and you can move forward. Yeah, and the, and the world opens up to you, really. Yeah, um, you, you're this In this world, you're pretty much, it's nice to be bored every once in a while, but you're pretty much only bored when you want to be. Yep. You know? That's right. All right. I think we've, we've beat that dead horse into the ground. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for listening today. If you are someone you know or love has a substance use problem and you aren't sure where to turn, you can call us at 1-888-424-2626. You'll talk to my friend Danny. You've seen him on the Facebook Lives. Um, or you can go, in, you know, Email us at info at thefreedommodel.org. You can also, um, oh gosh, my brain is not even working and I don't have a script today. Um, <laughs> and you can also go to our website at thefreedommodel.org. And um, now don't forget, we are running a special for the Freedom Model Online Program. The Freedom Model Online Program is 65, more than 65 video lessons and it's a fantastic um, value right now because you can get 50% off the, the full price by entering coupon code HOLIDAY21 at checkout. You can get to that through thefreedommodel.org, but you can also go directly to online.thefreedommodel.org. And um, that is also where you will access Freedom Model International, our seminars, and um, the seminars are free. So you can sign up on online.thefreedommodel.org. That'll get you on our mailing list. So you, when these, you know, these podcasts come out, you'll know when they're coming out. Everything will be emailed to you. Um, and, uh, and you can also register there to see those seminars. Um, I think we've done like four or five so far. Yep, five. Um, so you can see all of the ones that we've done. Our Facebook Live will be uh, is still uh, pretty much every other Wednesday at 4 um, and uh, so send us your questions. You can join our Facebook group, the Freedom Model Group. You can follow us on all our social media. That includes Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I don't even know what else there is, but there's a lot there. And, oh, and the Freedom Model YouTube channel. All our videos are on there. There's over 100 videos on there. So um, check that out as well. Uh, so I think that's it. If you need help, call 888-424-2626. That's 888-424-2626. And you'll talk directly with Danny White.